This is David Nage, former managing director of Apron Ventures, a family office. And this is Amanda Frankel, associate director of Stoic Capital, a private investment fund. Uh, both David and myself have been quite active in crypto assets for the last year plus and have been discussing the asset class with many of our peers. We've realized that there's a real education gap for the majority of those family office and high net worth individuals with regards to crypto, and we wanted to provide a medium to help bridge that gap. What you can expect from Baselayer, our new podcast, are founders of crypto projects that are building the fundamental building blocks of the asset class and technology ranging from file storage, relayers, index data, interoperability, and more. In addition, we'll be bringing on other family office investors in crypto to give a peer perspective as well as some of the most talented crypto investors and fund managers, many of whom left traditional investment management positions to invest in crypto. For our first episode, we'd like to focus on the current state of crypto infrastructure and what it means to achieve the vision of decentralization. For our pilot episode, we were lucky enough to spend time with Sean Wilkinson, co-founder of Storage, which is a decentralized file storage project underpinned by blockchain technology. Storage is one of the earliest active projects in the crypto space, founded in 2014. Remember, if you liked the episode and want to hear more, please subscribe and send us feedback. Uh, Please remember that nothing in this podcast is investment advice or legal advice and should not be construed as such. Please do your own research. Before we kick off the episode, a quick note from our sponsor, Lumina. Today's family offices and hedge funds lack appropriate technology to invest confidently in digital assets. Lumina provides institutional-grade portfolio management software specifically designed for crypto, helping institutions like yours manage bookkeep and trade digital assets. Use promo code BASELAYER for three months free. Sign up at www.lumina.com. A-P-P. So for our first episode, uh, we'd like to focus on the current state of crypto infrastructure and what it really means to achieve the vision of decentralization. So here with us today is Sean Wilkinson, co-founder of Storage, which is a decentralized file storage project underpinned by blockchain technology. A storage is actually one of the earliest active projects in the crypto space, founded in 2014. Um, Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, so I think it would be great if you could give us just a little bit of background about yourself as well as the origins of the storage protocol. Sure, sure. I'd be happy to. Um, so uh, storage starts around 2014. Um, I was working on a personal project of mine, um, which was just taking a bunch of data from Twitter, trying to kind of store and analyze it. And it was adding up to a lot of data so I was looking for somewhere to put all that data. So I was looking at, you know, the typical cloud storage providers that you have uh, for a large amount of data storage, Amazon, Microsoft, Google. Uh, but, you know, their prices were, were really expensive uh, and they really didn't have kind of the feature sets that I wanted and they were, you know, closed source uh, platforms. And so I wasn't really happy with the options out there. And around this time, I was also playing around with kind of Bitcoin and blockchain. And I was really fascinated with this concept of, hey, you can kind of rent out your extra computing power on your uh, your PC and you can get paid for doing that. And you can maintain this, you know, magical Bitcoin blockchain network. Uh, and, And something clicked in my mind to say, hey, wait a minute. What if I could do that for cloud storage as well, where... 
people could rent out their extra hard drive space, maintain this network, and then I could store my data uh, on their extra hard drive space. And maybe I could do it for cheaper uh, and, and more performant than the traditional options out there. So I went down that rabbit hole and never came out. And that was kind of the birth of storage to say, hey, there's all these resources all over the world. Everyone has extra hard drive space. Why not make it into a network, uh, a giant cloud storage network where people get paid for offering their uh, hard drive space and other people can securely store it uh, on that uh, distributed network. Sean, this is uh, David. You know, our listeners are going to be pre- predominantly family offices, other high net worth individuals, folks that are trying to get a grasp of what crypto assets are, what blockchain is. So could you possibly give us a walkthrough of the evolution of storage from 1.0 to 3.0? Um, and maybe you know talk to us about the benefits of decentralized file storage and you, just tell, tell people just you know, <laughs> You know, pretend that uh, I'm five years old, if you could, and maybe just kind of explain to people what that even means and how that, you know, is kind of opposed to centralized services such as uh, Amazon Web Services. Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's a couple areas that I could um, talk about. So, you know, first I could talk about essentially, uh, you know, the cloud storage and cloud storage marketplace. Um, you know, so there was... Uh, you know, a time where uh, we stored uh, all of our data uh, on our computers um, locally, and then we found, you know, hey, if I, you know, accidentally drop my computer or it breaks or something happens to that, then all my data is gone and that's bad. And we ended up having, you know, all these many different devices, and so you'd want to sync. Uh, you know, these, you know, copies of these different files you have between your phone and your your laptop and your iPad and all these different devices. And so we came up with this magical idea called the cloud. Um, but if, if you really break it down, the cloud is just someone else's computer. Um, you know, we just went from essentially storing our data on our own computers um, to storing the data on someone else's computer. And the three places where we store that data um, is essentially Amazon, Google, and Microsoft. Um, these are the people who, um, for many different uh, you know, reasons, built out these you know, very large cloud storage networks, and so they were good at it. Uh, and so they ended up being kind of the providers that, again, store the, most of the world's data. Um, now, you know, that, that's all fine and dandy and that, you know, solved a lot of the problems that people had with, you know, storing data online. Um, but you started to run into certain issues, uh, namely now these companies have control over your data. Uh, you know, there's, there's very little places that you can go outside of these, these places to store your data. So they have you know, control and access over all that data. Uh, and so that that leads to a lot of privacy uh, and security concerns, uh, especially with uh, data in the cloud becoming so valuable. You know, that's, that's everything, you know, your, your bank records, all your personal photos, everything. And, um, you know, while there's that convenience factor, um, you do have, 
you know, many, many examples of, oops, you know, sorry, we had a, a, a breach, you know, all your information got compromised. Um, sorry about that. And so that's kind of the, the dangers that, you know, we move to the cloud for convenience, uh, but storing all that data in one place um, leads a lot of a lot of issues for privacy and security. Um, going down through the, the other issues in terms of, you know, when you store that data in one place, then you start to have issues in terms of, you know, performance and bottlenecking. You know, we want faster performance and 4K video and all these kinds of things. And you store all this data in these giant data centers, but you access it in a very, you know, broadly distributed manner. Um, you know, those systems stop uh, scaling. So, you know, we really took the approach to say, hey, you know, the cloud is, is great and all. But what if we could do this in a decentralized and distributed way, which would give people more access and more control over their data? So instead of storing it just at Amazon, Google, uh, and uh, Microsoft, we could just distribute it on multiple providers all over the world, uh, but not have any one person or provider have you know, f a full copy of that data. And really give the control back um, who uh, who's the only one who has access to that data uh, uh, in in its entirety. Um, and so that's really kind of some of the the things that that we're really trying to build at storage is not only build a really useful and awesome uh, storage layer that's faster and cheaper than the traditional cloud storage. Uh, networks, but also give uh, a, a bit back of that control over our data that that users really are are are, are wanting uh, in this day and age. Um, so then, how do you view the development of the decentralized file file storage industry as a whole? Do you think that the market timing, you know, given recent um, narratives about uh, privacy, especially in the the wake of you know Cambridge Analytica and Facebook and, and even Google scandals, do you think the market timing is appropriate for decentralized file storage or is real usage still a future vision? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, I focus specifically on just the privacy and security aspect, which is really, you know, in the past couple of years come into public consciousness. And it used to be, oh, you know, it'll be fine. And then you have all these breaches and issues and people were like, Oh, now I care about you know security, and, and um, you know whether those those companies are treating that properly. And we've seen many examples of that not happening. Um, but there's many other um, areas where kind of decentralization can sign other than privacy and security. Um, so, for example, if you're thinking of performance, um, you know we take the data that's stored on the storage network. Again, storage is a decentralized cloud storage network that stores data. Um, and we take it and we distribute it to many, many people all over the world. Um, and so you could, you know, join our network, rent out your extra hard drive space, and, you know, become uh, part of the storage network and get paid for it. Um, but with that distribution of, of data, because, uh, you, you get some interesting properties. So, for example, if you wanted to, you know, store some of your data uh, on a traditional network, um, it might be stored in a data center that's, you know, thousands of miles away. Uh, versus uh, your data on our network could be stored 
you know, something that's, you know, a couple of streets away. And so kind of at scale that ends up uh, providing really interesting performance characteristics where, again, you know, the data being near to wherever you want to serve that data to, you know, couple buildings over is going to have way better performance than again a data center that's you know thousands of miles away so again you know those there's many different aspects to um cloud store you know one of them again that makes the most sense to people is like okay privacy and security um you know we want better control over that um another one is performance there's others in terms of cost savings um, but there's there's many again benefits that um, decentralized cloud storage has over uh, traditional cloud storage, and it really boils down to at the end of the day, all this data that we're storing online uh, is just going into these giant six hundred million dollar data centers uh, in you know areas where you can get you know cheap uh, power and electricity, and you can do these large buildouts. But that's not how we access the data. You know, we're accessing this data in a decentralized and distributed manner. And so a lot of the issues that come around privacy and security and performance and cost, you know, are in that differential between we're storing the data in a centralized way, but we're accessing it in a decentralized and distributed way, in a decentralized and distributed internet. And so we find when we store that data in that manner, as if by magic, a lot of the issues that we encounter with cloud storage go away. So, you know, in terms of the macro, um, you know, 20 years ago, and correct me if I'm wrong, but 20 or 30 years ago, the world, was it really ready? Did it have the global compute power that could be uh, you know, potentially levered and helping to create storage? And, you know, what, what are we, what, what kind of global compute, you know, power do we have now? Um, and, you know, who do you see as, you know, the key users of decentralized storage? Yeah, so, um, yeah, there's been many attempts uh, at many different people uh, to create essentially, you know, large, uh, you know, cloud storage networks. But the problem that's, that's been really missing uh, in, in making you know, a large cloud storage network or a decentralized cloud storage network is really payment and incentivization. And that wasn't really possible until essentially um, blockchain and Bitcoin became available. Um, so if you think back um, to many other attempts at a decentralized cloud storage network, they'd say, hey, uh, you, know, you share some of your space um, and then we'll give you some, you know, we'll trade you with some other space that you can use on this, this network. But, you know, if you have apples and someone's just trying to trade you for more apples, then that really doesn't help you. Uh, and so the really innovation that, that we added in, in, in terms of the technology is to say, hey, you have some extra, uh, you know, hard drive space on your computer that we'd like to rent out to store data uh, for on behalf of all these other people, will pay you, you know, something tangible, money for that, uh, and that's really the missing piece to provide the proper incentivization for people to download the software, keep the client up to date and maintain, and, and keep that that data uh, available up there. Um, and so it's really those those recent innovations that that have made a network like this possible. Um, in terms of like the use cases of this. 
when we started out in 2014, we started out with more the naive idea of, hey, you know, we can uh, take on, you know, Dropbox and be kind of the decentralized, uh, distributed, you know, Uber uh, for, you know, your hard drive or Airbnb for your hard drive. And we'll have a Dropbox-like client where people can store their, their data. But what we found, you know, over learning over time is that, um, you know, for years and years and years, Dropbox stored all their data um, at Amazon S3, one of the large major cloud search providers. So we found that um, the people who actually make decisions in terms of cloud storage uh, for, for us, the users are, are really the developers, right? You download the next cat picture sharing application. You don't care, care where the data goes. You just care that the application works. And so really we've, we've kind of shifted our focus from, Hey, we're going to be kind of a private decentralized distributed Dropbox. You know, that was our idea in, in 2014 to say, Hey, in reality, Dropbox is just a front end interface and they're storing their data. Um, you know, at, at these large cloud storage providers. And so we need to provide a platform uh, for applications like Dropbox to store their data. And so we're primarily focusing on developers, again, who are the people who really make the choices uh, for cloud storage for us, the users. And we just use the applications associated with that. So um, just, just at a, on a vision perspective, in it sounds like with the amount of, of storage on a decentralized basis, pretty amazing things can be built from that, such as the idea of a decentralized internet, uh, things like an ORCID protocol. Um, you know, just for the listeners and the family offices out there and other people that are listening, you know, maybe, you know, talk to, you know, just how does this, how does storage play a role in what the future of the internet could look like? Yeah, so I mean, we definitely have um, some ideologies in terms of, you know, we want a, a freer, you know, open internet. Um, but we've really taken a, an approach that I think is quite different um, from many other um, decentralized projects in the space. Uh, we've taken an approach to say, hey, we, we do want this you know, better decentralized internet. We want to work to be kind of this data layer for uh, all these decentralized projects, building out all these amazing things. Uh, but at the base layer, we want to build something that's disruptive to the traditional sense. You know, you have um, a market uh, where people are paying billions and billions of dollars to store their data. And the best way um, to really build out this network is to start there. Start with the existing use cases. Start with, you know, the drop boxes of the world and say, hey, you know, you're storing your data on these, you know, in these traditional manner with these traditional data center with these traditional companies. Why don't you pay us half the amount of money with better privacy, better security, better performance for your users, um, and really build a, a large and a functional uh, business out of that, out of you know being disruptive in the traditional sense, and 
And then from that platform, you can start to expose you know, both the traditional applications to the new things that a decentralized platform can do that a centralized one um, can't. But you can also have a very nice, robust, built-out platform um, that's sustainable that you can start to build a lot of these, um, you know, decentralized protocols and decentralized projects on top of storage. Um, and in that way, we, we create, you know, something that's sustainable and something that has, you know, is a business that people are paying money for and the company is sustaining and growing and, you know, uh, you know, uh, having, you know, uh, adding more engineers to maintain and build this out versus really taking a very idealistic view and a very futuristic view, which sometimes you get a, too, a little too far ahead of yourself. And then you, you, you realize, oh, wait a minute, um, you know, we, we need, uh, you know, something that people will actually pay for, not something that idealistically maybe people will use in five years. Um, and so I think that's a, a pretty big differentiator between us and, and many other uh, projects in the space. So we can have that, that dual mindset and like, hey, let's make something that's disruptive in the traditional sense and use that as the base platform to spring forward in terms of the many different um, things that you can do with this network that you can't do traditionally. So I'm happy to dive into, um, you know, any portion of that, uh, I just wanted to make that distinction that um, is is a bit bit different um, from maybe maybe traditional uh, decentralized projects. So I, I actually want to focus in on the point that you made um, about kind of working with businesses and the developers because the developers are the people who really make decisions about um, what kind of file storage backend is really used, right? So I think that we saw this entire crypto industry sort of backpedal from um, this big 2017 narrative. So for mm-hmm. listeners who don't know, in 2017, we saw this big ICO boom, um, tons of money raised. And I, the general consensus coming out of 2017 is there was a large number of um, products looking for market um, instead of, you know, a product developing from a potential market need. And you know, recently we sort of backpedaled um, into this narrative of infrastructure building, which I think feeds quite nicely into what you're talking about. Um, as far as building something that people actually use. So where do you view storage? Like, do you view it as crypto infrastructure? Do you view it as B2B? Because, you, you know, it seems you hit on um, some potential monetization strategies where you're working with other companies. Or do you view it as something that an end consumer will interact with? Yeah, so we really see it as uh, a B2D or business to developer. Again, we found that you know, the, the way to actually make an impact in term, terms of cloud storage and the people who actually make the decisions in terms of cloud storage are, you know, the developers. And so the way that you and I would interact with, you know, storage, when you would download an application built by a developer that says, you know, does, for example, backup, and you use that application, it'd be using storage under the hood. Um, we recently just had a partnership with... Uh, a uh, website called transfer.sh, which helps people transfer, uh, you know, small and large files from one place to another. Um, and so, again, you would be using, you know, that transfer.sh tool to transfer files from, 
point A to point B, and storage would, you know, be used under the hood. And, and so that's, you know, really where we're focusing, again, is that we want people to have an excellent and great experience um, in using this, uh, you know, storage platform. And the way for people to do that is really through these applications, right, which take care of all of the heavy lifting uh, for you using uh, this platform and, and solve a real problem for you. Uh, and so that's really where we at Storage are focused on is, is really integrating with as many platforms and companies and people uh, as possible to really you know, get storage into hands of many people. But the way that you should experience storage um, is really you get an app update on your phone and suddenly you know that that application that you were using is using storage on the back end and you're not the wiser you're just like oh it seems a little bit faster and hey the service you know reduced their prices so um, I think you know in the in the coming months and uh, coming years we'll be you know pushing um, essentially all these applications uh, that have been built on the storage platform that you can actually use to do something useful uh, rather than, again, our, our, our platform, which is more of a raw uh, data storage network and platform. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. I, I think it's um, it, it's interesting. You've touched on a few, I think, broader market points as well, which is mm-hmm. that, um, you know, for the end consumer, I think what we've learned in, in the entire decentralization push is that people do tend to care about um, convenience over privacy. So right. the idea of working with people on the back end and then pushing to consumers makes sense. Right. But then when you back into the developer actually working with, um, do you find that developers care more about something like more privacy of file storage or do they care more about the costs? Because at the end of the day, you know, businesses have a bottom line. Um, and just the cost savings might be the reason. They might not care, you know, if, if all prices were equal, would people care about more privacy? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, the, the benefit uh, of our platform and technology is we can kind of have our, our cake and eat it, too. Um, you know, we can come in with a, a product that has much better privacy and security uh, at, at half the cost of traditional, you know, cloud storage. Obviously, it's very different from use case to use case, right? So if you're a company that does uh, video distribution and, and, and uh, transcoding, like maybe that's something that you want a lot of performance for um, and you don't care too much about the cost. Maybe there's another you know, company that's you know, doing backup and they really just care about you know, the cost. Uh, but really, we just want to have a, a very easy uh, to use platform for these people to integrate and they get all the, the benefits uh, and features uh, of of, uh, of our platform, but obviously it's going to be you know very very different uh, for for uh, each project uh, in each company and each each platform whether you know what's important to them. Um, but yeah, I mean we we try to make uh, you know those tool sets uh, as easy as possible for them to to integrate. And you know we've had. Uh, partners uh, try out our, our, our early software, and it's taken them minutes to integrate. So we really want to expose them to all the, you know, privacy and security features, the performance benefits, and the cost savings. But just really have them do very, very little work uh, in terms of um, 
uh, integration, which uh, we found surprisingly is, is very, again, different from the norm of cryptocurrency and uh, blockchain companies. Uh, very difficult to use, very difficult uh, interfaces, but we've you know really put a lot of time and effort to say, hey, let's make this easy to use. Um, we're actually also backwards compatible with uh, Amazon S3, which is pretty much the largest uh, cloud storage uh, platform that's out there right now. Pretty much everyone uses that to build uh, their application and store their application data. So you know, we took an approach, again, we want to be disruptive, we want to bring this technology uh, to market and uh, really for the company's end users' benefits. Um, and so we don't want them to spend hours and days integrating. And so we've really had a lot of great feedback to say, hey, you know, this is compatible with the traditional standard, and I only have to you know, spend a few minutes to integrate it. And that's, that's really what we want to hear. Hey, Sean, I'm curious because I've played around with the first iterations of storage on my computer, my personal computer. I've set up the, the node, and I've uh, been... Uh, trying to lever, and you know, obviously the 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 the, uh, the narrative of you know, all of us buying so much compute power these days. You know, we probably use just a fraction of all the you know the kind of the uh, the gigabytes that we have on our hard drives. And so, you know, for the listeners right now who might not necessarily be that tech savvy, just you know, can they can they today, if they were listening, if they wanted to, could they download storage and start you know participating and 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 leasing up their their excess capacity? Uh, absolutely. Um, right now, uh, we we do have a smaller uh, V two platform um, that is that is currently operational. Um, but now those are, we're slowly phasing that out in, uh, favor of our V3 platform, uh, which will be, uh, launched, uh, next year. Um, uh, we highly recommend that if anyone's really interested, uh, in this cool concept of, you know, renting out your extra hard drive space and, uh, earning some, some extra money from it, uh, that you go to our website, storage.io, and you can sign up. Uh, to be on the wait list uh, for the V3 platform. Um, and we'll be, you know, in very short order, uh, inviting, you know, early people to test the V3 platform, uh, which is really the, the iteration and the culmination of a, a lot of work and learning over the years as we've put this platform out and had people use it and has people tested and had people use it in their applications uh, uh, we've we've done a lot of learnings and, and baked that into the next version of the platform that's going to be uh, launched next year. So um, we do uh, have to add the caveat that we we want people who uh, you know their computers are up and available. So we don't want necessarily people who um, you know are going to run this on a laptop and turn it off. Right? Obviously, we want uh, you know people who are going to. Uh, you know, have that, that computer on uh, most of the time uh, and being a reliable node on the network. Uh, in the case that uh, you're not a reliable network uh, node on the network, you're not going to earn very much and you're probably going to very uh, quickly get kicked off the network. Because um, that's just not, just not the type of node that we want. And just out of curiosity, so for the listeners, you know, how do you, how does a listener become like a validated node or some, what, what's the security process there? Do they have to go through like, 
you know, like a know your customer or something like that? How do you uh, how do you make sure that it's a, a, a good no, person and not a bad person? Yeah, so it's 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 pretty simple um, in terms of you know you sign up for a wait list and I believe it's a, an email and you know a little questionnaire to make sure that you'd be a good note on the network. Um, uh, thankfully, I don't think we have any like submit your blood here and your your ID. You know, it's it's not that kind of uh, complicated process. We just want to make sure that the nodes are um, you know technically reliable. Um, you know, we have a very robust system where, again, we're storing all this data on you know, disparate devices all over the world. Um, some who go, you know, may go offline for any one reason. And, you know, we have multiple replicated copies of the data. And so we'll detect if someone goes offline and be able to, you know, recover that data and replicate it elsewhere um, if that happens. But that is an operation that uh, it does, you know, uh, you know, have a cost associated with it. So we really want to prioritize people who, again, are, are going to be providing good performance. They're going to keep their nodes online because the, the less we have to do that, the better it is for the network uh, as a whole. Um, so again, you know, anyone uh, can, can sign up for the wait list now and it's a first come first serve basis. Uh, but we're quickly going to kind of read out in the early versions of the network who's you know, someone who's up and performant versus someone who's, you know, running this on a laptop uh, on a dial-up connection is maybe not the best person uh, in this go-around in the, the early stages uh, of the V3 network. Um, so I actually want to hone in on how you're kind of discussing the idea of good nodes on the network and bad nodes on the network because it... Mm. Um, it echoes a little bit of, of some centralized components of the system. And another crypto narrative that people throw around is that this idea of like a path to decentralization, you know, for whether it's network governance, um, whether it's token ownership, open source efforts. So where do you view storage on the decentralized spectrum and where do you see it going? Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that we really focus on um, on storage is practical decentralization. Um, the idea that, you know, obviously we want to uh, make platforms that are decentralized, you know, to the core of our, our, our ideals. Um, again, not having, you know, not becoming just another, you know, Google, Amazon, uh, you know, Microsoft in terms of just a central sink of the data where one person controls it. Um, you know, so, you know, that is, that is our, 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 our core focus. Um, but the, the thing that, that uh, many people have to realize is there's a lot of engineering associated with making that work properly. Um, and so we've really taken an approach to build things in a modular way and make them, um, you know, better and more decentralized and more robust over time. Uh, it makes sense from an economic perspective, a performance, a durability perspective to move that way. But what we don't want to do is say, here's this component. It would take us three hours to build in a centralized way and it'll work, you know, up until we get to a million users. Um, Versus there's a decentralized way, and it'll probably take us three years to develop that. 
right? So, like, there's clearly a big difference there. Um, and so it makes a lot of sense to say, hey, let's build that, that, that three-hour solution, and then let's make baby steps towards that decentralized solution um, uh, where we want to go. Uh, and the benefit is that, you know, we get a lot of learnings along the way on how to properly build that, um, and uh, we don't get uh, into an area where I've seen a lot of you know, projects go that, again, start on the very idealistic side of the spectrum. They're like, okay, we're going to take three years to build this, and they make an incorrect assumption, and, you know, they've wasted two of those years. Uh, because if they had just started at least, you know, with a very early MVP stage of the, you know, basic solution that worked, they would have learned how to properly build that system. Um, so that's, you know, maybe that's a little abstract, but that's, you know, the way that, that um, you know, we've decided to go about it. Um, so, you know, the way that maybe to make that a little bit more concrete is, you know, we have um, essentially this wait list uh, of people that we, uh, you know, are bringing into the early version of the V3 network. And so we do a little bit of curation uh, in that list to make sure that those early, uh, you know, people, you know, again, aren't running these on laptops and uh, on dial-up connections and, you know, they're fairly reliable nodes on the onset. Um, and, you know, kind of filtering that a little bit. So, at the, again, at the very beginning, we can limit uh, the numbers of, of issues and problems and really have a, a robust network from the start. Now, what we'd like to do, you know, uh, and what we will do in the future, it'll be a little bit more, um, you know, there won't be a wait list. You'll just be able to join the network, and the network will be able to, you know, very quickly determine, um, you know, if you're a good or bad node, um, the reputation. Uh, but again, we're using, again, this very simple process um, to kind of jumpstart and start the network, again, through just a, you know, simple wait list. Uh, but it really solves, you know, a whole host of issues and a whole host of things that we need to build, uh, again, which would, you know, delay uh, people, you know, using this platform when we could, again, just use a simple uh, solution in terms of a wait list and, again, just get the initial uh, network seated and the proper people on there. And then we can build uh, and learn from that. Uh, and then, you know, open that up to, to a, a broader network. So, I mean, this is, you know, um, you know, something that, again, we're focusing on this practical decentralization. But if you really look at it, it's nothing new, right? It, this, is, this is how any you know, large tech company builds uh, their products and ecosystem, right? They start with, you know, 10 users, then 100 users, then 1,000 users, then 10,000 users, and they build it from there. Um, and so somehow, you know, some of this has been lost on, you know, some projects, but we really try to focus on we're building something, you know, that's a real platform and we want to build it in the proper way and we want to build it in a practical way. Uh, and so we've had a lot of success in, in that mindset where others have fallen by the wayside trying to uh, make too big of a platform when you really just need to you know, start, start from one and grow from there. I think one of the last questions I have, and this has been 
awesome just learning so much about the business and about how you're building you know decentralized storage uh for this new world that we have a vision of you know i i, I talk and i think a lot about interoperability whereas you know decentralized storage talks to decentralized indexing and talks to relayers and talks to different components of the overarching system. Where do you see, you know, the overall infrastructure of crypto going over the next year or two? Yeah, so I think there's a lot of infrastructure being built out right now. Um, there's a lot of people working on a lot of um, very exciting things. We're really glad to be, you know, one of the, the, you know, really get an early head start in 2014 on, on working on kind of these problems and building out, you know, the base layer, not only for the decentralized web, but for also the traditional web and all the benefits that, that it entails. Um, but yeah, there's still a lot of work to do to build out those, that, that infrastructure um, to be able to do like the amazing things. Like, so for example... Um, you know, you want to build out a decentralized application. Well, um, you got to store the data somewhere. <laughs> and you've actually seen this, this is actually funny in the space, where people have built a decentralized-ish application, and they'll store their data on a centralized, you know, cloud storage provider like Amazon S3. And then Amazon S3, every 18 months, there'll, there'll be some kind of hiccup, um, uh, someone will misconfiguring something, you know, you know, take down Amazon S3 uh, via massive outage, and then you'll be like, hey, why is my quote-unquote decentralized application work not working? Oh, it was hosted on a centralized cloud storage network uh, for further storage. So, um, you know, we're one of the, you know, the very beginning base layers uh, of, of building out, um, you know, these awesome decentralized projects. Um, and so we have a lot of people playing around with, with our tool sets and really itching to use the V3 network. Um, but yeah, it's still very early days and many people are building out, you know, the compute layers and, uh, you know, we're building out the storage layers and, um, you know, the, the different frameworks to, to, to build smart contracts more easily. So it's still very early days um, in, in terms of... Uh, of uh, you know decentralization, building out these decentralized applications. I, I'd say if you liken it to the traditional uh, you know, tech area, we're probably still in like the 1980s uh, right now. So still a long way to go, and it's still a lot of exciting things straight. But it'll definitely be a a fun ride um, the whole way. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's certainly been a fun ride for all of us, I think. Well, um, Sean, we just want to say thank you so much for joining us for our pilot episode. Um, side note, really like your use of base layer um, multiple times, given that um, <laughs> we, we are base layer and we are focusing on the um, base innovation that's really driving uh, the crypto industry forward from hype into real world usage. So um, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, it's, it's been a fun time, and uh, I encourage uh, anyone who's interested in learning more about the platform uh, to go on our website, storage, S-T-O-R-J.io. Um, 
You can read all about the platform. You can sign up to rent out your hard drive space. If you're a developer, you can start to play with our uh, APIs and toolkits. Uh, or if you're just a very curious person and really want to understand how this works on the hood, how we make it private, how we make it secure, um, you know, how, how we get you know this cost savings and performance. We have excellent documentation. We have a, a nice, thick, 80-page white paper for you to read if you really want to dig down into the technical. So, um, and we also have you know community that you can you can chat with if you have questions and a mailing list if you just want to uh, keep up to date what we're working on. So, all that can be found uh, on our website, storage.io.